Okay, we are picking it up in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 41. Luke 12, 41. Peter said, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? Now, that may sound like a little bit of a strange question, but remember the context. We discussed this the last two weeks. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, yet there are so many crowds of people we read in Luke chapter 1 that people were just stepping on each other. So there were a huge, huge crowd of people, and then there was a small group of his disciples. Now that group was 12 apostles, plus, plus a group, maybe 70 or so other disciples. So there was a smaller group around him, but out there, much larger masses. He would speak a parable to the large masses and then he would clarify it and speak it and and teach it specifically to his disciples. Because ever since the unpardonable sin, the scriptures say that ever since that day, starting that day, he only spoke to the masses in parables, but he explained all things to his disciples in more of a private conversation. And that's what's happening here. But Peter said to him in verse 41, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? That's what he's saying. Are you speaking to us or the whole masses? And here's what Jesus says. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if the slave says in his heart, My master will be a long time in coming, and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of the slaves will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour when he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with unbelievers. And that slave with whom with, with that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will received many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but a few. From everyone who has much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him they will ask all the more. Okay, so looking back up at, at uh, verse 42, so the Lord, it, it says, uh, the Lord started to tell another parable. So he's, Peter asked him, are you telling this to us? And Jesus starts telling a parable. So he's obviously speaking to the masses here. And he says, who is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants? So he starts this out and he says, remember what we're looking at. We're looking at the one that Jesus refers to as being sensible, as being faithful. Faithful and sensible. This is something that we should desire, right? To be called by Jesus as being faithful, as being sensible, as being reliable. This is the first category that he's speaking about. So this is a good quality that Jesus, <coughs> Jesus speaks of here. Who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? 
Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. So he, he gives a picture of a sensible and faithful slave. He says it's the slave that serves others. The, slaves, the slave that gives rations, that gives food to the other slaves. The one who initiates the reaching out and the giving to others. This is the sensible one that Jesus speaks about. So what does God call us to? If you look through the scriptures, he continually calls us into a place like this, where he calls us beyond ourselves to do things beyond just my own self-interest. We've been dealing with this continually through this Luke chapter 12. Again, Jesus underscores this. This is something that I'm telling you is sensible and faithful for you. And what is the outcome when I take an interest enough in another? He could have said, well, they're slaves, I'm slaves. They can fend for themselves and I'll fend for myself. How's that? No, Jesus says, you look beyond yourself and you start serving others. You start serving others. You start reaching out to others. He says, this is the faithful and sensible slave. He says that, His master will put him in charge of his servants to give them rations at the proper time. Now, how do you appoint people in a church? It never works well if you say, uh, you there, you are going to be in charge of setting this up. Sometimes that may work, sometimes it doesn't. In the body of Christ, what works much better is to see people that are already interested in serving in that way and then encouraging them further in that direction. So in other words, you don't give leadership responsibility just by walking up and saying, the Lord told me that you are a leader. Stand up and lead us. In the scriptures, it talks about appointing faithful people. Appointing those who are faithful. So those whom you see so serving you give them greater responsibility. So you see someone serving in a certain capacity and you watch them. You say, wow, you're good at that. And you encourage them to go further. You've been doing this so well, how about we add on this? You give them more responsibility. That's what the Bible says, that he increases responsibility. Do you want to come up in the world? Do you want to be looked upon in your place of work, in your place of work as as being lifted up to a higher position at work? The way you do that is that you become faithful in the little things that are committed to you and you reach out and you do something beyond yourself. You reach out and you do things that help others. And then people see that and they'll give you more responsibility. What I love in my research group is when I see people and they take ownership of something in the laboratory. So they see a need that needs to be done and they just do it. Wow, the thing is broken. Let let me take care of that. Let me address this. And whenever I see that, that somebody really cares about this place, I care all the more about them. And I'm sure to note that in the letter that I write for them in getting a job, that this person takes ownership 
and cares about this place. This is what Jesus is saying. This is what He calls us to. He calls us to something that is greater than ourselves. Something that that, uh, is beyond ourselves. Because we are not our own anymore. The Scriptures say, you are not your own. If you have given your heart to Jesus, the Bible says, you are no longer your own. You're no longer your own if you've given your heart to Jesus. And you may think, wow, that's terrible. I, you know, I want my independence. I am who I am. I don't want anybody to have anything over me. Let me tell you again the story about, about, uh, about it. Say, say you have a, a, a dog, and this dog is in a good home, well taken care of. The dog has to obey the master in that home, but going to be well taken care of. And you can look at some homes around here, and I've seen them, where the dog in the home gets a bed. There's some homes where the dog gets its own bed, and if that dog gets like one little hint of cancer, I mean, the people just bring them to the vet and deal with this. The dog gets its teeth brushed. You know, they go to get the teeth brushed every twice a year or something to get the tartar off the dog's teeth. Have you ever seen any people with dogs like this? That really love? You've never seen anybody with a dog like this? You you've seen this, haven't you? And yeah, and, and especially around here, you see it a lot. And, and they'll give this dog the best of food. I mean, they feed this dog just, you know, ground beef that they buy from the, the grocery store. They, they buy this for the dog. But there's parameters in this dog's life, but it's a dog's life. You know, it's a comfortable life. And this dog is well taken care of as long as they're obeying the master. You take a stray dog, and that stray dog can go anywhere it wants, anytime it wants. It can, it can urinate anywhere it wants. But what's it doing? It's always trying to find a little bit of food. It's having to fight for everything it gets. It's covered with fleas and ticks and, and tumors. And they never live very long. I mean, stray dogs look ugly, and they never live very long. You know, they get run over by cars or they, they starve to death or something. This is what it's like. If you live under the Master's care, there are parameters that we need to live under. But it's all good for us. It's all good. It's good to teach a dog that, you know, you, you, don't, you don't urinate here. It's good to teach the dog things like this. And they say, no, well, I, I want to do that. Anytime I want, anywhere I want. Okay, then live outside. Go be a stray dog. And then you'll see what the world is like. Because Satan is a real taskmaster. You think you have independence, but you don't. The Lord has things for us. We are no longer our own. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to start reading from verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Flee immorality. 1 Corinthians 6.18 Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and that you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price therefore glorify God in your body. You have been bought with a price. If you have asked Jesus into your life, He grants you salvation. 
He fills you with the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to fill you to overflowing. He will do this. And then you come into His home. But within His home, there are certain parameters that He calls us to live by. But once we're in His home, it's air-conditioned in the summertime. It's heated in the wintertime. There's, you, you, you know, you're, you're not out in the rain when it's raining. It's all covered. You can sit by the window and just watch the rain and you have the sun come in on you. It's a comfortable place, but there are parameters. You are no longer your own. You want to live outside? Then you've got to deal with the elements outside. But once you come into His house, there are parameters. The first thing He says in verse 18 is flee immorality. Flee immorality. There's this freeness in our society that we think, oh, well, you know, I can, I can have sex when I want it, whenever I want it, with whoever I want it, and nobody should say anything. No, Jesus has a lot to say about that. The Scriptures have a lot to say about that. He says, flee immorality. That means you run from it. You know what the word flee means? It means you run. You run from immorality. You work hard to stay away from it. And, and the way you do that is you, you, uh, uh, you don't put yourself in a place where it's threatening. So in other words, um, uh, if you know there's a place where it's too much temptation or could be too much temptation to be with a certain person alone with that person, say in an apartment with that person, don't do it. You flee from it. Don't think, oh well, I can handle it. I think I'll just go there and hang out at her house. I can handle it. No, the Bible says, flee from it. You flee immorality. He says, every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? We are no longer our own. If we call Jesus Christ our Lord, and we've invited Him into our hearts, we are no longer our own. His interests need to become our interests. For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Jesus said, I bought you. You're in my home now. And I will take care of you. You're in my home. I'll take care of you. But you can't go outside and do whatever you want, and come right back into this home, just like that, because you're filthy when you go outside. You're covered with ticks and fleas, and we need to get you cleaned up again. And you will see, you'll pay a price for being outside. You'll come back, and you'll have gotten into these fights, and you know your hair is pulled out, and you're all beaten up. This is what happens. The same thing happens in the life of the believer. Oh, well, I... I think I'll just go out and spend some time in the world for a while. And then I'll ask Jesus to forgive me. And guess what? He will. And He'll bring you back in. But there will be a toll taken upon you. And that toll taken upon you doesn't go away immediately. doesn't go away. You take a man that has committed immorality in his marriage, infidelity in his marriage, He may come back and be forgiven. But he will never 
or it will be years, more than ten years, before that trust could ever be rebuilt again, if it can ever be rebuilt. There will be a toll. That's why he warns us about this stuff. Flee from this. Flee from this. You will find, as you get out in the world, and you think, well, you know, immorality will never happen to me, infidelity will never happen in my marriage. Well, just wake up and take the world seriously in what it says. Statistically, it is not an easy thing. And without the grace of God in your life, without the grace of God in your life, you could surely fall. So the prayer for myself, it's not like, oh, that'll never happen to me. It's, Lord, protect me. Lord, guard my marriage. My, my desire to protect my home and to protect my marriage and my marriage covenants is so great that my prayer is, Lord, if ever I would go in a wrong direction, please just kill me. I would rather die than to bring that sort of thing into my marriage. Than to do that sort of thing to the woman to whom I've made a promise and to the God to whom I've made a promise. It's God, protect me. The Bible says, pray this way, Lord, keep us from temptation. Keep us from temptation. So if you find yourself getting flirtatious with a woman or woman getting flirtatious with a man... Flee from those situations. Run from them. Don't think, oh, I can handle it. You are a lot weaker than you think you are. And the reason I know this is because I know myself. And I know how weak I am. Sometimes young people will say, don't you trust me? My answer is, no. No, I don't trust you. I don't even trust myself. No way. I don't trust you. I don't trust you spending that kind of time with that person in that setting. You stay in public settings. I don't trust you because I have seen such falls over and over again. This is both for the married and the unmarried. You watch yourself because you are no longer your own if you name Jesus as your Lord. If you've not, you are your own. Go ahead, wander. Do whatever you like. It will take a toll on your life. And you won't live very long. And it won't be a happy life. Won't be a happy life. He calls us to something much better. He says, you've been bought with a price, therefore you glorify God in your body. Let's turn back to Luke. Luke chapter 12. So he says, this is the faithful and sensible steward. Verse 44, Luke 12, 44. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Look at what he does with the faithful and sensible steward. He puts him in charge of all his possessions. Wow! Doesn't say of just a part of the possessions. He says all of his possessions. He will put him in charge of. When you walk in faithfulness to God, he puts you in charge of many things. He ends up, which we'll see in time, a parable, telling a parable about this. He gives us according to the degree of faithfulness. And it says that at the end of this section in Luke chapter 12, it talks about the same sort of thing. 
in, if you look down in, 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 verse, in uh, verse 48, but the one who did not know it and committed the deeds worthy of flogging will receive but a few. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they have entrusted much, of him they will be asked all the more. So he puts us in charge of much. And as he's given us much, there's more responsibility there. I have an obligation to you. I have an obligation. Not because it affects my paycheck. If the church doubled my pay for this service, it would still be the same. Alright? So, it has nothing to do with a paycheck. I am obliged to take interest in you because of what my Lord has done for me. Because of His calling upon my life. Because He gave Himself for me. I am obliged to take interest in you. That is my obligation. I'm obliged to do that. And look at what he says. To those who take an interest in others, I'm going to put them in charge of all my possessions. People come to me, even people of the world, not just believers, they'll come to my office and they'll say, how do you get so much done? How do you publish all that you publish? How do you work in all of these different areas? I'm like, it's just blessing. There's no way I could do this. It is just a blessing of God. He gives. I have been the recipient of so much from God because of taking an interest in others. I'm obliged to share my faith. I'm obliged to encourage people in the Lord. I'm obliged to teach people the Word of God. This is the giftings. I'm obliged to walk in it. He's given you giftings. You are obliged to walk in it. And as you do, He will give you according to the way that you give out to others. Every week, I'm speaking here on a Sunday and generally somewhere else, on campus or around Houston or around, speaking about Jesus. And you think, oh, well, you know, He just walks up there and just opens up the Bible and starts teaching. That's not how it happens at all. I will read this portion every day for the entire week and say, Lord, speak to me. What message should I bring forth? Because I take this really seriously. Because this is, this is what He has for me to feed others of His flock. This is what He's given me. I'm obliged to do it. But as a result of that, He blesses me so much. There is great reward in this. This is why I tell people, if you, you want to find a spouse, you start serving and you'll find a spouse. Because somebody is going to see that and say, wow, look at that person, they're always serving. And you will catch, somebody, you, you, you will be attractive to others through service. This will happen. This will happen. I became attracted to Shireen when I saw her serving. When I saw her service, you become a servant and you will be blessed. You will be blessed in your career. You will be blessed in school when you become a servant of others. There is great blessing. Jesus said, I'll put them in charge of everything. And then the converse is also true. In verse 45, but if the slave says in his heart, Luke 12, 45, my master will be gone a long time. 
and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. Look at what's happening. This slave is just doing whatever he wants. Doing whatever he wants. Look what Jesus says. The master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour that he does not know, and will cut him in pieces, and assign him a place with the unbelievers. I mean, in our world of political correctness, this doesn't sound very nice. But guess what? He's God, and he can do whatever he wants. He is the one who said, I will cut him in pieces. And I've seen that happen. Not literally, but emotionally. I've seen people get diced to pieces. Emotionally, socially, diced to pieces. Where because of their practices and the things that they do and their selfishness, they lose their jobs, they lose their families, and everything gets sliced up. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over progression of years. And he says, assign him a place with unbelievers. And the slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but a few. So this speaks of, when he says, I will assign him a place with unbelievers, this speaks of an unbeliever. And there are different levels of penalties for unbelievers. There are different levels of penalties. So for someone to say, oh, sin is sin and it doesn't matter what it is. No, it makes a big difference. All sin is the same in that any sin is, a ma- is, is, is able to keep us from ever being able to get into heaven. And it's only by His grace that we get in. But as far as the ramifications of sin, they are very different. Go ahead and and wish somebody dies. And, you know, you you ask God to forgive you, you move on. You go out and shoot a man. And the consequences are going to be very different. In this life, they are very different. And in the life to come, they're very different. Because he says, he who knew his master's will and intentionally didn't know know it is going to receive lots of floggings. But he who didn't know it will receive but a few. But you see, that even the person who didn't know it, so the question often is, is what if that person never heard about Jesus? Well, the person didn't know, but they still received a few floggings, but the end, the future, what happens, the penalty will be different according to what we have heard, according to what we have known. It's the same in the body of Christ. We receive heaven's glory just by being in Him. But rewards come in heaven according to the degree of faithfulness. That's what the teaching is here. According to the degree of faithfulness. The future is not the same for all believers. It is accorded according to faithfulness and service. That's how it's accorded. If you don't like that paradigm, take it up with God. I'm just reading his book. It's not my book. I didn't write it. Just quoting what Jesus said. Go ahead, complain to him. Tell him how he should be doing it. Go ahead. Become his instructor. You'll see, he knows what he's doing. 
His way is right. He is God. Take your life and first receive Jesus into your life because until you receive Him, it is so hard to become so concerned about others and selfless in your service. Once you say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and fill me with the Holy Spirit. Come into my life and fill me with the Holy Spirit. Then, then you will receive power from God to do that which pleases Him. Without Him, I have no interest in others. Maybe just a little bit of interest. But with Him, we become so much more giving of ourselves and to others. Okay? With Him, we become so much more giving and to others. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your Word, the truth of Your Word. You are so good. Lord, I pray for these young people that those who know You would give of themselves in some sort of service to the body of Christ. And Father, that they would have an attitude of giving. And that they would then see your blessings poured out upon them. Father, that you would raise up for them spouses who love you and honor you as they give. That you would provide for them. That you would provide for them jobs. Good and secure jobs. As they learn to give that You would grant them more and more as they give of themselves for others. Father, I pray for those here who don't know You. Father, open up their hearts that they could receive Jesus and be empowered through the power of Your Holy Spirit to serve You, to honor You. Father, save their souls, I pray, so that they could begin to take hold of the things that I'm speaking about here. Father, save their souls. And if you don't know the Lord, if you've never received the Lord in your heart, as I pray, pray with me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me because I am a sinner. Fill me with your power and with your grace. Wash me by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are my Lord and you have risen from the dead. And Father, I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.